Hey guys, Bill here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Today, we're going to have Nate Tice on the show talking about last night's Chief Ravens game and Drew Brees' struggles to start the season. But before we do that, want to remind everyone about another ESPN podcast, which Nate Tice has been on before. It's the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny with our friend Mina Kimes. Mina talks all things football with her unique brand of humor and insight. So be sure to download and subscribe to the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny as well, of course, as the Bill Barnwell show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, here's the show with Nate. All right, as promised, joining me on the show, a first-time guest, but someone you have heard in several places, including on the aforementioned Mina Kime show featuring Lenny, one of the best follows on Twitter, a smart football person. It's my friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how are you? I'm doing great, Phil. Thanks for that intro. You I mean, have that a, on, on business cards. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, I, can, you can have smart football person on your business cards now. It's official. Uh, I, I'll give you a little percentage of uh, the athletic fees right there because uh, that was just some good pub right there. <laughs> there we go. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Nate. I'm excited. Absolutely. We, we talk about football a ton. We decided, hey, let's have this in audio form for the first time. I'm excited. We have a, what I think was an interesting game last night. It wasn't the sort of, you know, dramatic shootout maybe that people were hoping for. We saw some bits and pieces. We saw some interesting stuff. And I think there were some fair questions to ask about both teams after Monday Night Football. We saw the Chiefs win 34-20, to 20, really um, not particularly close. The, the Ravens made it close maybe at the end for a little bit, but we saw the Chiefs pretty comfortably handle this game. And so let's just start with this, Nate. Are, are you surprised with how this game played out? I wouldn't say surprised. I didn't think it would be uh, you know, a 14-point win and, and maybe the Chiefs kind of controlled a lot of the game. I was really high on the Chiefs going in. I thought they matched up really well against the Ravens, um, which we can get to in a second. But I had kind of a snarky tweet and, you know, about a kind of a straw man tweet about 20 minutes before the game. I was like, Mahomes is still healthy, right? Like, why, why are we acting like this is a foregone, like the Ravens are going to run him out of the gym? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I kind of, I was thinking that anyways, my bank account reflects that, thankfully. And, and, you know, I put my money where my mouth was for once. And uh, yeah, I got, I got kind of like bossed into that. Like, hey, no, you got to do it. If you're going to tweet about it, you got to do it. Okay, cool. I'm glad I did. Uh, But anyways, no, it's, it's, it's easy to say that now, but I do think the Chiefs matched up really well against some just offense versus defense because just a, I think they can handle the pressure and the man coverages that the Ravens like to play. And and that leads, and again, I'm going to say we'll get more into this in a second, but really at the beginning, you could see the Chiefs knew what they were getting into with all the screen game and everything. And it kind of took the sail or the wind out of the sails mm-hmm. of the Ravens defense a little bit right away. They had to slow their stuff down. 
And I, I just thought Spags is a he's a, a varied enough play caller and aggressive enough play caller that really adjusts week to week, as we really saw last year. But he's a guy that can handle the uniqueness of the Ravens offense. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, let's talk about the Chiefs side of things then, because I feel like there's, you know, we, have, we want to talk about both sides uh, of the ball in this game. Let's talk about the Chiefs side, um, because let's start with this. We saw a bunch of, you know, fun wrinkles in this game. We saw the Chiefs run tackle leak for a touchdown after uh, we've seen of course tight end leak and wide receiver leak in, in weeks past we saw a tackle leak for a touchdown to eric fisher we saw um a quad sack uh yeah. for the sack and someone coming uh across the field we saw a wildcat into reverse in, into a wheel route basically like a sort of a variant on philly special i guess yeah. or, or just Philly special with a um a little twist variant. yeah and i i mean i, I wonder if you know uh, well, well i guess we'll start with this did any of them stand out as particularly unique or unexpected to you or something that the Ravens would not have been prepared for heading into this game? You always know kind of Andy Reid's going to have some little fun little designs every week. He really has his seven to 10 concepts he loves, and then he just window dresses the hell out of them, you know? And I mean, the play I love the most, and it just because just it just looks so fun, was the shovel play mm-hmm. uh, to Sherman, right, you know, early on. And it's just right there. It was just a perfect amount of window dressing. They they were starting empty near the goal line, and they motioned Tyreek Hill back into to a home position. Mm-hmm. And it ties with what they really like to do down there. And Mahomes loves to sprint out. Or they like to have Mahomes sprint out and be on the move down there a lot. So it was that's hard for a d- defense to go. Oh, I got to you know maintain the edge, and all of a sudden you got a shovel hitting up inside of you. Yes. So it's just yeah, he takes. He knows what he's he, you, how you are going to counter him, and then that's when he just does these nice little tweaks every single week, and especially against man coverage stuff. And that's where he, I think he had a, he has a real field day when he's like, oh, you're going to play man, okay, I'm going to just pick and misdirect you and make you run the wrong direction. We saw all the screen stuff, and yeah, I mean, it was just a great game from Reed, and you know, the quad stack, the human centipede formation. <laughs> <laughs> was was fantastic i kind of like blinked i was like i thought i was just seeing double and it was just and i was like oh no no, no that's four guys in a row right there um yeah i mean you know looking at this offense i know that some of it was dictated by uh, the play of the chargers defensive line and the um you know the way the texans decided to play defense against the chiefs in week one but i think there was a perception heading into this game and i think it was fair that the chiefs were not really playing their best on offense heading into this week and that their offense had not been very impressive. They did score, I think, 34 points against the Texans, but it was really, you know, a lot of just controlling the clock and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and none of those sort of big plays we would typically expect. And, and we too, we even, we saw what, maybe one big play to Tyree Kill and that was it. So, um, I mean, do you think it, Andy Reid was realistically saving some of this stuff for week three, knowing he probably didn't need it to beat the Texans and beat the Chargers? think i think maybe there's a couple little wrinkles especially that quad formation um you know but that he has in the back of his mind or maybe it's more when we play a man coverage team we're going to run that Mm -hmm. and the ravens were the first ones to get hit with it i think you know the last week the week two struggles the chargers just match up really well against the chiefs it's a yeah it's a clash of styles and the 49ers are kind of a, were like a supercharged version of that last year in the Super Bowl with the pass rush and then a defense that Seahawks, you know, family tree defense that is fine 
with not getting beat over the top and just making you be patient. And Mahomes finally got there in the second half, but you saw in the first half, the rush was getting there and, and all of a sudden he's not really hit those big chunk plays that really elevate their whole team. So I think that was more of the struggles of last week is that the chargers just match up really well against them. It's their own little version of uh, the Rams, how they used to, beat the crap out of the Seahawks for whatever reason when, when they're still in St. Louis and the, and the Seahawks are rolling. It was, it's just one of those things. They just match up real well. So I think every week he knows he's going to have some things and they, they go design, but it might just be York. Oh, when we play that man team or that blitz team, let's, let's throw that at them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my big question. And this is obviously not a question that's going to be easy to answer or else you would be a defensive coordinator for an NFL team. But this is the question I have to ask you. So the Chiefs were a little sloppy last night. I mean, they had a couple drops. They had three fumbles. They lost one of those fumbles. They failed on fourth and one. But they still dominated this game, dominated on offense against one of the league's best defenses. And Don Martindale didn't really have an answer. The Ravens defensive coordinator, he mixed in some sim pressures that kind of won them a drive. I think they ran a little more zone maybe in the second half than they typically do, but I think I'd have to go back and watch uh, a little little more closely. But at the end of the day, I mean, this was, you know, a, a very good defense that just got stomped by the Chiefs and, you know, they left, the Chiefs even left some meat on the bone. So my question for you now is, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, like, like if you're, if you're heading into a meaningful game against the Chiefs, what do you think you do to try and stop this offense or at least maybe even not stop it, but just at least slow it down? Right. Um, no, the, I, I, it's, man, it's one of those things where it's talent always going to win out Mm -hmm. and they're just such a great matching of parts and you just have to get lucky. The Ravens were able to take advantage of those mistakes, even if they still put up what, I mean, Chiefs went 10 for 13 on third down 500 yards, 517 total yards. So it wasn't like they, even though, like you said, there were some blemishes, it was still, they're just pounding away on them. Really, there is no great answer. The only answer is to have a pass rush that where you only have to rush for because Mahomes is going to shred you if you blitz them. Or, you know, and, and combined with that Seahawks defense that I mentioned before, where it's, they're safe. And actually, you know, it's the same philosophy that teams maybe used to run in the early 2000s when cover two was two Tampa was so prevalent mm-hmm. is win with the front four and just hope that the offense is not comfortable nickel and diming. Mm-hmm. And I think actually what's even scarier is that I think that the last week against the chargers was even more of a learning experience for Mahomes and the chiefs, mm-hmm. which is just scary. It's just going to be right. scary. I mean, I know there is no real good answer too long. Didn't read no real good, <laughs> no real good answer to stop this team. They, they are a juggernaut. And the only way is to win in a shootout. It's, it's mm-hmm. be, and like, just like when teams used to play the seven second or less sons or the golden state warriors, it's you just got to win a shootout and hope they don't hit their threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not indefensible. I, I, I think it's tough because if you ask me that question on paper, what I would say is I, you know, play two deep safeties every snap. I would, I would do that thing where Daniel Jeremiah tweeted it, where the safeties were running 20 yards back at, at you know, at, at the snap to take away big plays. I would sort of force the ball to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I would do what the Texans did in week one and they did not come close to winning that football game. Like, like I think that strategy was pretty reasonable and they got stomped. And yep. I, I, you know, I, I went back through their games from the past. I, by the way, I also think, I know that Mahomes got hurt during this game, but is the Chiefs beating the Colts, uh, sorry, the Colts beating the Chiefs with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback and holding them to 13 points, like, the most unlikely outcome of the last three years? 
Well, it is right. Like, I mean, look, what was even the spread of that game? Wasn't that like a double-digit spread as well? I like, it was some. It was something pretty ridiculous. Because the only reason I know that is because. Ten and a half was because my buddy uh, was trying to uh, – he bet the money line on the Chiefs that night. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like minus no. And I still remember that to this day because it was the, one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Oh, but, yeah, that's oh. all. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that, that has to be one of those just insane games. Like, like, I mean, it's just those games that you look back at and go, what the hell just happened there? Just like those Rams-Seahawks games, you know, yeah. where it's just like, okay, that, that happened. And, and you maybe just – NFL is just so hard. You know, it's 16 games plus the playoffs. It's hard to sustain being a juggernaut for this long. But if we've seen maybe the Chiefs floor last week, again, this is terrifying <laughs> for every defense right. out there. Right. I mean, that was a game where the Chiefs uh, were stuck on a fourth and one like this week. They were one of three on their red zone trips. And, you know, I just – you can't – count on holding them it's like you yeah. know a 50% red zone rate but I think that's your only shot like if they are great in the red zone you're just screwed like you have yep. no I don't think there's any way you can win because you're not it's going to be so tough to win a shootout against this team um, because they're going to be better at that style of play than you are I, I mean it, it's just such a a difficult difficult situation I, I you know like there's going to be games here and there where they play sloppy football and it costs them. I think the Colts game is an example. Like at the end of the day, like, you know, they're going to do a better job of beating themselves than you're going to do of beating them. But, you know, I, I, they play the Patriots on Sunday. The Patriots defense is still very good. It's, it's a much different unit than it was a year ago though. Uh, I mean, they play the bills in week six, the bills are a team that, you know, communicates super well on defense there. Yes. You know, they have a deep defensive line. They have a lot of uh, talented players. They have linebackers who can run, with Travis Kelsey, they have a shot. That game like, is circled for me because that is going to be such a telling game for both teams. That's gonna, I'm really excited to watch that game just for the styles and just all the players involved with it. Telling Josh Allen he has to score 40 points to win or he's going to <laughs> explode. Um, yeah, imagine him in the chaos mode. I mean, he's getting he's getting out chaos mode, but now he that might be a game where he's full on Professor Chaos. Just the, he's so just gonna excited. be a one. I know, I'm too. <laughs> right, I mean, they play the Bucks in Week 12. They have a few good defenses left in their schedule, but there's a lot of games coming up for the Kansas City Chiefs where I look at the opposition and I just think, oh, no, like something bad is going to like, like they play the Jets and Panthers in back-to-back weeks before they're by. <laughs> I'm just really scared for those two teams. Oh, I know. That, that, those are going to just be completely like, who they have after the bye, too? I actually don't. The, they're at the Raiders. They're at okay. the Bucks. They host uh, the Broncos at Dolphins and, at Saints. Oh, hosting Falcons in week 16. Oh, boy. This so 100 and, points in that game. And what's hilarious, too, is that they go, like you said, Broncos, Jets, Panthers, then they have a bye. And then so we might just see just Andy Reid just on fire, like NBA Jam style by that yes. point. Because <laughs> coming out of a bye week on a Sunday night game, he might be just rolling or Monday night game, night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's – you don't want to say 16 though, because that, that's unrealistic. No. Everything go, but, things always go wrong, but this is the sort of offense that can do it. And I think this defense is also, you know, one that does have issues against the run. We saw it on the first drive, but they're built to number one, try and create takeaways and try and get your offense short drives. And I, I think they'll do a better job of doing that than they have so far this season because they only have, they have three turn three takeaways in three games um and they're a defense that 
is really scary to play against when you're trailing because they have those great pass rushers who can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. They have, you know, defensive backs who are going to jump routes and take away plays. And this is, you know, I think a defense that really matches, uh, you know, like, like, like the story this team tells on offense and defense makes total sense to me. Yeah, I, I mentioned the other day on uh, the show with Robert is that they're built to go on runs. They're they're the pressing basketball team. They're so they're okay. You might gash them a couple times, but they're fine with it. They are just full court press. You shoot threes and just try and go on runs. Where all of a sudden it's it's okay. They have a, uh, they're down three, and then blink of an eye, three minutes later they're up seventeen. You know, it's just where you know it's just one of those things where it's just that's what they want to do. And they, they built the whole team around it. And not many teams have two, at least, I mean, Chris Jones is elite at pass rushing from the inside and Frank Clark is at least very good. Mm-hmm. And not many teams have that where it's an inside and an outside guy. They might have an out, outside guy that's very good and another outside guy that's pretty good, but that's a tough, that's really tough to block for offenses as well. Especially when say they are, a team is down two scores and they have to pass it you know, a dozen times in a row. It's really hard to get those guys blocked every single snap. One of them's going to win at some point. There's going to be a matchup. There's going to be a game they run. There's going to be a pressure where they create one-on-ones. Not many guys have the talent or offenses have the talent to block that dozens of times a game. So we have no tips to offer, by the way, to defensive coordinators <laughs> on what to do. Nope. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fair. I don't, I don't Not. I was hoping you would because I didn't have anything. Um, uh, not, not much, not much. Just uh, maybe uh, draft really good defensive linemen. There you go. Yes. That's 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 my tip. <laughs> Great start. End up end up with two star edge rushers and yep. take your shots from there. So on the flip side of this offense, a bad matchup. We talked about the defense a little bit. Uh, of course, we saw in this game the Ravens did have an effective first drive, uh, kicked a field goal, which we're not going to talk about for my own sake on the show. I, I don't. What I a just, heel turn, wasn't it? Like, it was so. Uh, inf- Harv on the Ravens, just Marty Janetti, the nerds. Like they, they did. <laughs> through through barbershop window. I, I, I buy a glass in my face. From what <laughs> That's happened what they you. did. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I had to go all caps when I saw that because I was just like, what is going on? I, I mean, can you, can you make an argument for why you think they went for the field goal? I, I can't. At fourth and three, they're moving the ball well. It wasn't like they were like, oh, man, we just finally had a good drive. Let's get some points. It's like first drive of the game. When else are you going to do it? Yeah, that and was the weird thing. You're going to get a track meet. It's going to be a track meet in some way. And I don't know. It, it, that really blew my mind. <laughs> I, I was surprised, honestly. And maybe, maybe they figured, okay, the, the Chiefs are expecting us to run on third down because it's, they, we, they know that we're, you know um, – in a position where we can, uh, you know, run on third down and run on fourth down. And if it's fourth and one, maybe they figured, okay, let's throw on third down because they're going to be expecting us to run. And maybe that makes some sense, I guess. But, you know, I, I was surprised they didn't actually run on third down and then go to, um, you know, just run it twice. I, I felt yeah. like that was the most logical thing to do. You know, even if it is something that they're expecting, like I still feel like it's the core of what you do well on offense. Yeah, so. it's it's your strength, so might as well lean into it, especially in high leverage situations like that. You know, yeah. you want to lean into what you're good at, and that and actually, it's another thing we uh, discussed on uh, Robert and I the other day was how much offense is on these third and medium plays. Third and three is barely, you know, it's on the in between third and short, third and medium mm-hmm. is the teams are being more and more comfortable just running the ball against pressure looks. And just cause they, they're making it easy on the offensive line saying, Hey, don't even worry about the, like pointing out protection and everything. Let's just pound the rock on them. And we saw the Falcons 
hit the Bears on one. We saw, you know, last year in the playoffs, the 49ers hitting against the Packers, against their spinner look. You know, we're seeing teams do that more and more. Even um, another team that is kind of sort of doing their own iteration of what the Ravens did last year, the Patriots, um, leaning into a running quarterback and basically running a single wing offense. And they, third and fourth, they ran a toss play. And, you know, so they are leaning into what they're good at, and especially in those situations where you need it. It, 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 it that would, would make sense to me. I guess it's the first drive, so maybe they had something at that that distance that they liked. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm going to tell you, though? Like, they had something they liked. It didn't work. It was, a, it yeah. was an out, uh, you know, a, a speed out to Willie Sneed for no gain, um, which is not what I would call necessarily a situation. But, you know, maybe that's just hindsight. Maybe that's just uh, 2020 hindsight. Yeah, it might, it might be. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, I, I – even, I even know. given that, you have fourth and three – like three points are not going to win you this football game unless you are so good on defense, in which case you're probably going to win anyway. Um, you know, I don't know that it was a dramatic swing, but it just sort of felt like it was at odds with everything we know about this football team, where it's Lamar Jackson excitedly saying, let's go for it on the sidelines. It's, you know, this team that's built around their confidence that they're going to manhandle you in the trenches and win on fourth down against the team where we know their weakness on defense is stopping the run. Yes. It felt like the ultimate obvious go for it situation and they kicked. And I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not going to troll. I'm not going to say they lost the game and they lost their momentum because they, you know, kicked in that situation. That's ridiculous. But it just felt like, a, a real admission of weakness to me. You could hear everybody, even though there's no fans there, but you could yes. hear everybody on Twitter just go, oh. Like, right. it was, yeah, it was just, it was just weird. I don't know. It was like a stopping of momentum. And like you said, it was only, it's, yeah, it was just like they just didn't believe in themselves, which is just bizarre because they've been rolling. Mm-hmm. And they, they have, a, um, you know, last week, the Chargers were running the ball really well against the Chiefs. Yeah. They hit some stuff and short yardage situations too with backs like Austin Eckler, who is more of a, I wouldn't say a finesse back. He can kind of do it all, but they're built to pound it. And yeah, and that, that it's it just, yeah, it was just a big like, oh, okay moment. And, and Chiefs just, the next drive just was like, oh, okay, they just took and ran with it. Or really, I should say through with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. they, they, it was a mess after that. Their next three plays in the next drive, they had a run that went for first down that was called back for a tripping call, which was a bad call. Oh, to be yeah, fair. it was. It was. That, that's one of those, I think, because it happened so early on that, a coach, you know, because they talk to the refs, you know, the assistant coaches meet with the head coach usually on a Friday or Saturday and say, hey, what, what should we tell the refs to look for? And then the head coach in his meeting with the refs, I could see that maybe being like, hey, look out, you know, their guys like to trip if they can't reach the guy. <laughs> and then the that happens, though, because like sometimes you'll see like maybe three offsides calls in the first quarter and then you don't see one the rest of the game that those are always the funny ones. It's just like. All right, I'm just gonna get the, I'm just gonna get the coaches off my back. See, I do listen to you guys, and then they just <laughs> then they just be their ref cells and miss the spots the rest of the game. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you know, it it was. I, I I feel like this is too simplistic of an argument, but I also think there's some truth to it in the situation. So, we're gonna talk about Lamar Jackson and what he does when he trails in a minute. But in terms of the 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 play calling that Greg Roman did 
in this game. So they run on first and 10 on that second drive and they're called for tripping. So they're in first and 20. They throw the ball three times in a row. They throw an incompletion on first or a, a pass for no gain on first down, seven yard completion Andrews on second down, third and 15. They, they, they try to throw the ball. Lamar gets sacked. And that's fine. Like, cause if you're in first and long, second and long, third and long, you understand you're going to throw the ball three times on the next drive. First and 10, second and six, third and six. Sorry, the next, drive, the next drive, technically they score a touchdown on a kickoff return. But drive after that, third down, 13, 10. First down, second down, third down. Three more pass plays. So they are running the ball effectively on the first drive. They throw on that third down. They kick the field goal. Their next six plays from scrimmage that count are all pass plays. They're all pass attempts. On, on the following that. drive. Yeah, on the following drive, they have... Uh, Five off. They have five calls. They get one first down via holding on uh, Sneed. Three of their five calls are pass plays. On the next drive, uh, three of their next call four calls are pass plays. At which point they're down twenty-seven uh, ten, and they're pretty much stuck. I mean, I you know I feel like it's it's too simplistic to say once Greg Roman's offenses get down, they start throwing the ball too much, and I feel like that's a sort of not necessarily borne out by the bigger picture, but in this game itself, in terms of these specific matchups, in terms of how the great Ravens are moving the ball in that first drive, do you think they threw the ball too much in the first half of this game? Yeah, I mean, even just hearing it spelled out like that, I mean, the eye test was kind of leaning the same way. Mm-hmm. And then hearing those numbers, it's kind of like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, and the, the last two times now that we've seen the Ravens struggle or go behind at a decent amount was, you know, the divisional round against the Titans and then this the, uh, last night against the Chiefs. And both times, it kind of seemed like they went also, not even just their play-action game, they went to straight dropbacks, mm-hmm. which is not what the Ravens are. You know, they're, they're, their dropback game is limited by design. Um, you know, they, they want to play to Lamar's strengths, which is, you know, getting them on the move, getting their guys on the move, lots of motion, play-action, hitting over routes. But then as soon as you're even calling back-to-back straight dropbacks, that's like you're just leaning into your weakness, which is, you know, and it might not be Lamar's weakness. It's just that they probably don't rep it a lot because they do so much running and play action. And, you know, they they like to go five wide. They use Lamar's legs as a check down too. And really early on, you could see the Chiefs were really well coached up this week or had a good game plan because they had really good pass rush discipline. Like they their guys weren't, all of a sudden seeing a lane and cutting inside and Lamar would just break contain and do what he does. They really were running the games. And then the outside guys were just like, be, were being good teammates. They were just holding the tackle and just kind of like, you know, almost like two gapping the tackle on the pass rush to just see if Lamar is going to do anything. And that might be anecdotal. I got to really see it on film, but it did show up, especially on the last drive when Lamar took those back-to-back sacks. But even before that, I think obviously that, it's they went to the pass way too quick. They did that last time. I don't know what it is that makes them itch to do that. It's kind of like we saw it happen maybe a couple uh, days ago with the Titans and Vikings. Titans went behind, but what did they do? They actually leaned into what they're good at. They said, "Hey, we're, get, we're this game's getting away from us. All right, let's pound the rock and let's just get back into a rhythm, rhythm of offense." And that's a real kind of thing. It's the rhythm and the game flow and all that. And it just seemed like when you lean into what you're not good at or what you're not really practicing a lot of, unless you had some cool stuff that week, which I, which really doesn't seem the case. Yeah. yeah it's not what you want to do. It's not, it just seems like they panicked. I mean, even, you know, overall, like an overall team panic, like they just were like, Oh wow, we, we can't hang with these guys, but they can hang with those guys. It, it was a weird lack of confidence as a whole, as a whole unit and a whole team. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense. And 
I was surprised. I mean, this is a team that maybe, you know, I, I was surprised and I wasn't surprised because on one hand, you think about this team, they have not had to face much adversity in the Lamar Jackson era. They pretty much inserted Lamar Jackson and they've won like 80% of their games over that time frame. But if you want to be, you know, not trollish, but if you want to be play devil's advocate, you can sit here and say, okay, well, you know, look at the games they've lost. I mean, the, the Chiefs game last or in 2018 was an example, but, um, you know, where they had Robert Griffin in the game in overtime because Lamar got hurt. But, you know, last year they, they lose the Chargers game in the playoffs and they their plan doesn't work. They don't really have a plan B. The, the Tennessee game last year, uh, Tennessee gets to an early lead. Their fourth and one plays don't work. I, I think the offense was fine in that game. I think Mark Andrews, yeah. and then they had some drops. Um, I thought Lamar played okay in that game, but they get behind. It was, it, it was kind of fluky. It, that whole sure. game was, yeah, that game was an anomaly kind of thing. But it is, yeah, but it did show that they were getting stressed that game, and and things things aren't always going to bounce your way in football. It's just it's just how it works. <laughs> you know, right, it's, exactly. It, it's it's a crazy game with a lot of swings, and that's what's interesting is now that we've seen them when they kind of get punched in the face a little bit or, you know, or just when things aren't really going ideally how they like it and they need to really come up with a adjustment. They need to come up with, okay, maybe, yeah, we want to run the game plan that we always want to run and do this and that, but you got to adjust. And, and that's what the NFL is. It's a game of adjustments. You know, you don't have those Microsoft surfaces on the side just to, just so the quality control guys can get their data in, you know, you're trying to learn from them during the game. Uh, did you have a, do you have a Microsoft Surface sponsorship? By the way, you, you snuck that one in. I feel like you, you might. like that. I yeah. like that. I know. Impressive. I know. I, I actually almost did say iPad, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I wonder like in the short term, obviously you don't want to lose this game. And in terms of the, the seating for the AFC playoffs, the Ravens are at a much more significant disadvantage now because there was such a huge advantage to being the first seat now in the 17 system as opposed to the 16 system and they're going to have to hope the chiefs you know mess up or there's tiebreaker or whatnot because they now they're now they're they're losing the tiebreaker to the chiefs but i almost wonder in the big picture whether it might be good for this team in the long run that they lost and it wasn't a playoff game or it was okay you know we have to make in-season adjustments we're not going to have seven months where we can convince ourselves that it's not going to happen again like this is a team that has to find a way whether it's through their play calling whether it's through you know their confidence in the sidelines whether it's whatever it's probably through multiple things but a team that has to get more comfortable with the idea of okay you know if things don't go really well for us at the start of the game we need to have another solution or we need to change what we're doing because what we've done in those situations has not worked. And, and that, you know, NFL too, and I'm just in game adjustments, but it is seasonal adjustments. Usually teams, good teams you'll see come out of the bye week, which is almost like a new fresh start it might be personnel. Like we saw the Titans last year. One of the greatest things they did was all of a sudden they leaned into AJ Brown, you know, things like that, where they, after the bye week, they were like, they reassess the team, see what it is and what is not working. Uh, I think they have their bye week in about four games from now. So, you know, it's a little later, but like you said, it's better to have this now week three. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you don't want it to happen on a Monday night game. So everyone's talking about it like us, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, they have a couple matchups that they can be competitive in. They can maybe get a little, a little confidence boosters against Washington. And yeah, it's just one of those things. I trust them that they're a good enough team and good enough coaches 
that they will adjust. But now you would hope that maybe they had something after that playoff game last year and they didn't see it now. But I do trust like Harbaugh and staff to reassess themselves because that's what good teams do. It's you, it's almost like every season is broken down four weeks at a time, just like your, just like your uh, quarter season articles, you know? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for reinforcing my, my urge and my instinct to uh, hand out quarter season awards. It's not just because it's an easy column to do. And I, I know I can do it in advance so I can write some of it on Saturday. It's because it's actually a smart thing that the pros do. Um, let's talk about Lamar because Lamar is going to get criticism and some of it is nonsense. I, I don't want to, you know, indulge the worst elements of, of you know, sports media or, <laughs> or Twitter trolls to be like, Lamar Jackson can't come back when, when, when he's behind. Um, you look at his record since he's come in. I tweeted about this a little bit last night. Lamar Jackson is, I believe, 0-5. Oh and six. Oh, either zero oh and five or zero oh and six, when he trails at halftime. He's twenty and zero, oh, most wins of anybody in football, and with no losses when he has a halftime lead. So he's getting his team out to more halftime leads than anybody, but he's not coming back after the case. Now, you it's would say like, it's kind of like complaining about Tiger Woods, right? When yes. everyone was like, he never won on Sunday, or he never came from behind on Sunday. It's kind of one of those things where it's like. Yeah, but he was in the lead 70-something times going yes, into Sunday. it's good. So, so, okay, that's fine. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, 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 you know, it, it's sort of taking something that's, that's good and making it look bad because you're not focusing on the important part of the split. But what I find interesting about this is that you look at Lamar Jackson, and there are people who say, okay, he's a running quarterback, they're a run-first team, and so they're not built to come back from behind. But when you go through Patrick Mahomes' history over that same time frame since Lamar Jackson took over, um, I believe he is 18 and one when he has a lead at halftime and one and four over that time frame when he does not have a lead at halftime. And I know, hey, maybe that playoff game against the Texans, they did the lead right before halftime. So that's a comeback that maybe if they just scored in the, you know, on the, the beginning of the first quarter. Any, other time, any other time in that game because they scored right. every minute. <laughs> right. Pretty much like they went down 21 nothing and they just scored constantly. Um, but like, like, you know, like Patrick Holmes has the skill set where you'd say, okay, this is the exact guy I'd want mm-hmm. if I was going to try and come back from a first half deficit because he's so good and they can score, you know, with one play and, and be so good, you know, on offense. And yet he's not that much better than Lamar Jackson in those same situations. And I sort of, you know, I, I wonder like, how much of this do you think is Lamar's skill set? How much of this do you think is the Ravens not being comfortable trailing with Lamar Jackson because they just haven't done it very frequently. And how much of it do you think is just a small sample? I think a little bit small sample. Um, but I, I do think it is a little bit that Lamar and their team is not built to come from behind. But that is so funny that you bring up the Mahomes stat too. And it's almost like, you know, football's a team sport. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's not just the quarterback that is the cause of them losing or whatnot. But it also maybe some of that is where – you might know the term better than me. I don't want to say self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit, but maybe the teams that jumped out ahead of them in the first half and are able to win those games in the second half because they have a great game plan or they're playing really well that game. You know, so it's like you almost have to, uh, like everything and shoot life <laughs> case by case basis with it. Um, but no, I, I think, I think, you know, it's almost like a little bit of Lamar's skill set and how they have built that offense around him. But I don't, I don't, you know, I think it's just you're trying to, or, or it's trying to find a blemish on a team that's built 
really well and they know what they are or we at least thought they did and they knew what they were um but yeah i don't know i just think it's one of those things where maybe it's an anomaly of a small sample size mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's 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 always going to be a combination of things and i think you know we're not going to see it until we see it like it's the classic you know if the chiefs had lost to the texans last year we'd all be sitting here saying andy reed can't win in the that way all of us but you know andy reed doesn't work in the playoffs patrick mahomes is not you know built to win in the postseason you need to run the ball blah 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 blah. we saw what happened they they won you know one game they came back in two games and suddenly you know all that stuff that was supposedly andy reed's flaws are genius i mean this is the same guy who was running you know, I think the Dream Team Eagles were running shovel passes near their goal line, and it was, oh, it's too cute. You know, you got to, you know, you have Mickey to run Mouse the ball. Off, Mickey Mouse offense. That, right. that used to always be the complaint. It's a Mickey Mouse offense, and now we're tweeting every single play he runs now. Oh, my right. God, what a genius design. <laughs> right. It's just it's the same thing. Right. It's, he didn't get that. He got smarter. He didn't get that much smarter um, <laughs> near the goal line. It's just like, you know, I, I, I think we are – prisoners of the fact that we have to respond to every possible situation after every possible game and i think in the big picture lamar jackson is going to be fine in close games i think obviously he'd rather be ahead and i think no quarterback in the league gives you a better chance of being ahead heading into halftime than the ravens started i agree now we have one other thing to talk about before you finish up here and I cheated because I wrote a long column on this, so I watched all this Drew Brees tape. So I'm going to defer to you because I've already said my piece in this matter. I want to know what you think as someone who knows the game a lot better than I do. Drew Brees struggled the first two weeks of the year. And this was a point of significant consternation for the Saints front office. Drew Brees was talking about how he doesn't know anything about air yards, doesn't care about them. Sean Payton was saying, oh, it was just, he's just running the offense. Drew Brees played well in week three. I thought Drew Brees had his best performance of the season in week three. His numbers were up. Basically, it looked a lot like an old Drew Brees performance. There was still some stuff that popped up here and there. We'll talk about it. But in the big picture, incorporating both the week one and week two performances and what we saw from him on Sunday night against the Packers, are you concerned about Drew Brees after three weeks? So I think, yes, actually I am. Uh, I'm going to give my short answer there and then okay. I'll take, take my big inhale. The I think that a little bit of that was the game situation, the game script of playing the Packers who are mm-hmm. on fire right now on offense and also the Packers defense not being that great mm-hmm. uh, overall as a unit. So I think it's a unit that actually uh, I keep referring to this. It was a great matchup for, for Brees and what Sean Payton does because I think maybe he just had Patton's number a little bit and just was like, okay, you're going to run that. I'll run this. You're going to run that. I'll run this. And you know, it's just one page ahead always. But after week one against the bucks, it indoors week one, just coming out of camp and not even a really grueling camp, you know, I'm just assuming is all of a sudden his arm was just not, it was already at that week 10, week 11 arm uh, for breeze. And it hasn't gotten better of these last couple of games. Uh, I think that is really concerning because it puts a lot on the game plan being fantastic and Drew Brees making the correct read every single time, which he can do. But now those windows uh, of room for error, margin for error has really narrowed down with his arm strength just dropping by like 20%, it seems like this year. So it's, uh, we talked about the clip of, from the night where he didn't maybe hit the whole shot. Yeah, it's not an easy throw, but 
that's a throw you kind of have to make if you're going to be winning and want to be a, an advantage quarterback as opposed to maybe just a game manager quarterback. Breeze is still going to have these games against these bad defenses that mm-hmm. he just looks like Drew Breeze because they can't tackle, and so they get the yak that they want. Yes. They're going to get Michael Thomas back. They're going to, you know, the O-line's great. It's probably one of, if not the best unit in the mm-hmm. league. And they know what they are. Again, Sean Payton does a great job every single week, but I just think – I don't think they're going to run when they have like when they really have to get in these track meets or they have to get in this maybe where they're struggling a little bit. It's mm-hmm. going to be a little harder to generate these explosive plays. I think it's almost like they're an 80% or a 90% version of what they were last year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is hard to be sustainable if all, everything you're doing is, yeah, it's out and go make plays, you know, you know, Harpo, Harpo go do something funny. You know, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of, that's hard to sustain, but, They've done it, and, you know, the 49ers do that. You know, Kyle Shanahan does it, and he create, generates these yaks for these guys that are good at it. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is sustainable, but it's I think Breeze now is almost going to become almost like a better version. I'm referring to the 49ers and Shanahan, almost like a better version of Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. As, opposed to Drew, as opposed to Drew Breeze. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think there's a gap between, you know, Jimmy G and the Drew Breeze of years old. Drew Breeze was, you know, even given those short passes, incredibly pinpoint accurate. And yes did take throws downfield occasionally. He was never going to, never the guy who like, you know, he was never Patrick Mahomes. He's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. In the, years, in the last three or four years, he has not been Patrick Mahomes. He's been one of the more conservative quarterbacks in football, but we've seen that model work. I mean, Tom Brady's made it work. We've seen Breeze make it work. You know, you can be a successful quarterback throwing short passes, but you have to throw completions at, you know, 67, 68, 69, preferably over 70% mm-hmm. of your passes. And Drew Brees was not at that for two weeks, especially before uh, garbage time in the Raiders game when they were just throwing on prevent defenses. And I think what concerns me strangely, not, not strangely, but the thing that concerns me is that watching him in garbage time against the Raiders, watching him against the Packers last week in the two-minute drill, um, not really the two-minute trail at the end of the first half, but the one when, when they were down 10 in the fourth quarter where you know you have to score quickly. I mean, I understand teams are trying to take away your big plays and Raiders were playing, you know, he prevent coverage and they were happy to let Drew Brees complete stuff underneath. But like, he wasn't attempting stuff downfield. I mean, that on the first drive of that, pack, of that Packers drive with two minutes left, they run like a six-yard curl to Emmanuel Sanders and Jair Alexander jumps it. Like he almost took it home for a pick six because he was not worried about Drew Brees throwing downfield, trailing by 10 points with two minutes left in the game. Like, if you're ever going to throw deep, that's when you need to do it because you need to score quick. And Jair Alexander was not even the slightest bit concerned about Drew Brees doing that. I think that's my big concern is that, like, you know, when it's okay to check down. It's okay to throw short passes. That's fine. But when you need to make big plays and you still are throwing short passes, I think that's telling. Yeah, and I'm going to keep with my process references here and, and shooting threes and all that it's it's like they're built like a team that's prefers to shoot long twos they're they're trying to be you know drew Brees is trying to be his own version of chris ball the long two the 15 to 18 footers at such an efficient rate that it's still an efficient shot even in the era of threes and layups mm-hmm. so i think you know for them they're built off layups and long twos layups being the run game and long twos being drew Brees find the open shot and hit it and i think that's what their model is but 
it'd be worrisome, especially when they don't have a defense that's going to maybe it's still it's only week three and mm-hmm. we've seen countless times how many times you know the bucks saints game a couple of years ago the bucks blew them out of the water or just scored at will against them we've seen them adjust so i don't ever want to count them out but mm-hmm. this defense hasn't been really that crazy aggressive blitzing getting home getting all the stuff going and maybe it's a little bit of the teams they play you know the bucks were pretty sound Raiders, whatever. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, but then you know, uh, but on on Sunday, and the Packers are just on fire right now. So I think maybe some of that is matchup too. So I want to see how they adjust. It's another team that I think they're good, well enough coached, and and have enough personnel and know what they're doing, and they have so much continuity that they're able to maybe adjust to week that they want to. Um, I think it's a little bit of an eye opener, but there are the the silver linings, like you said, I mean, Breeze was on fire. So, but that's what they're built to be around. That's what they're built to do. So from a defensive side of things, I mean, schematically, looking at, at how the Saints have changed. I mean, this is, again, a team that was not throwing deep very frequently in years past. But I think um, from the numbers in my column off the top of my head, I hope this is right. If not, I apologize. But I know that the, the general scope of it is right. Uh, over the last couple of years, Drew Brees, or I think maybe last year, Drew Brees threw more than 20 yards downfield 10% of the time, which is low for the NFL, but still not that far off from league averages. I mean, it, it, it's at least, you know, one at every 10 passes. This year, he's at 2%, which is <laughs> dramatically different. So if that keeps I don't up, think that's near league average. <laughs> no, it's not. No, pa- Patrick Mahomes tops that usually in the first quarter, uh, uh, by the end of the first drive. He, he, he is throwing more deep passes in the game than Drew Brees. But if they continue to throw downfield two, three, four percent of the time, like like, like a, you know, a, a, a outlier of a deep throwing ratio versus the rest of the league, how will defenses change the way they cover the Saints, or will they not change at all because they're already kind of accounting for that? You might look at you know what you mentioned with Raiders plan and and be patient and go okay we'll let you eat on the ground in the ground and hopefully maybe we can slow you down that way. And, where Breeze is late on a throw or doesn't have the arm strength that he ha- had and he thought he did, where he does make the mistake. I think what the Raiders did is kind of a, a basic team, I should say, just a, if you wanted to copy a game plan as opposed to, you know, relying on what your strengths are. Because, I, I, you know, the Saints the next couple of weeks, they play the Lions. Patricia ain't changing anything. Playing the Chargers, Gus Bradley ain't changing anything. <laughs> so maybe once we they get to the Panthers, but whoever knows what John, with, I almost said John Snow, um, <laughs> Phil Snow. Um, but but it, if you were to copy a game plan, it is to be that patient, make them work for it, and hopefully make them get a, a mistake. You might see more drop eight stuff where they're going to cloud up the short passing lanes because it's actually, it's funny, it's almost a leaning into a punch kind of thing where dropping eight and only rushing three in a quick game, you know, you're just clouding the lanes. And I something that teams might start doing um i think main coverage is teams are still gonna be scared to do that against them though uh we'll see next week i don't think patricia cares no it's gonna be you know you know what i mean but it's also they're gonna have michael thomas and Kamara and man coverage and Emmanuel sanders is a great man coverage beater as well and i think it's more of a philosophy uh in their weekly scheme than maybe a couple plays you know they might but i think teams are going to start to include in not only they're going to run more zone or even maybe less and just say, hey, we're going to be truly patient. Um, they're going to start squatting and start sitting on everything that they're going to be trying to do, kind of like what teams are doing with the Eagles right now, actually. And they just 
hey, we know you're going to run these concepts and we know you're going to design it really well with formally, but oh, that's, okay. that's okay. As long as we just don't make a mistake and we just sit soft coverage and squat on everything, it rally and tackle. And that's also a team. Uh, Saints are going to get their, their yards once you miss a tackle. But I think that's going to be the game plan going forward against these guys. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense to me. And I guess I'll finish up with this. Obviously, they haven't had Michael Thomas the past two weeks. He played for most of week one before suffering his high ankle sprain. I'm not sure he's going to be the same guy when he comes back, but is there a chance that Michael Thomas comes back and suddenly all the Saints' problems are solved? So the, the high ankle means truly a six-week injury. Um, we always say, oh, it's four weeks, it's three weeks. Uh, high ankle sprain, I've actually had one. You know, I didn't have to play, so who cares? But uh, <laughs> it's it, you feel okay after maybe 10 days or two weeks, and you can start running. You're like, man, yeah, I feel okay. But really, you lose explosiveness lose that burst that you come out. Michael Thomas isn't built for that, but it still matters. It doesn't matter what the position is. I'm in struggle with it. I've seen skill guys. I've seen quarterbacks. I've seen every type of position and every type of athlete struggle with high ankle sprains. It's one that after four weeks, okay, the guy feels okay, and he's going to tell the coach, I can play. But it's one of those things where you actually have to be patient with these guys and go, no, no, we're going to wait at least five, and then we'll get you going. Because – it's it's going to be that disconnect between what the players and the trainer is going to be like, well, he does stay fine. It's all going to be up to his pain tolerance. And the player, of course, is going to want to play. Mm-hmm. But I've seen it too many times. These guys come back. Sometimes they get hurt again because they're yes. compensating. And that's very too. We saw Saquon Barkley last year. He had a high ankle sprains, one of the freakiest athletes in the league. Mm-hmm. He tried to come back, I think, after a week or two. And they're like, no, we're not having that. I think he came after three, maybe four weeks, and he didn't look the same until he hit six-week mark and he tore it up at the end of the year. Yep. So it's truly, I'm going to say at least, I'm going to say at least a five-week injury and maybe a six-week injury. So I don't think the Michael Thomas show is going to be what we think. I think he's still going to help and get maybe do what he does in the short in a quick game and some over routes that they like to do with him. But I just don't think it's going to be their holy grail answer that they want. Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing is like. If it were the playoffs, you'd sit here and say, okay, like, yeah. probably not smart, but, like, you understand why. Yep. Their next four weeks are Lions, Chargers, by Panthers. Like, yep. you guys can win without him. Like, you don't need him for that stuff. Like, let him rest. But I don't know. I mean, this is a team that their expectation is winning, and I think they, you know, they're, they're saying the right things publicly. They're not mm-hmm. panicking. Everything is fine. Drew Brees had a good game in week three, but they're one and two. and I, I, my suspicion is that we'll see Michael Thomas on the field, even if it is ill-advised uh, on Sunday against the Lions. But we will see. Um, Nate, absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Where can people check out more of the work you do? Well, Bill, thanks for having me. But uh, you can find me on Twitter, Nate underscore Tice. And that's basically it. I don't write much. And then you can also see me on the athletic football show with Robert Mays. Uh, show comes out late Sunday night or Monday morning. Uh, we record it. We do a, basically we recap the week and we point out some things at the end. We're starting to do some more stuff where it's, we call it the secret sauce where it's some plays that maybe noticed that led to wins. And I think that's going to be a really fun segment that we're going to start to do. Yeah. And I mean, hey, I understand most of my listeners don't like Robert Mays. I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't like him either. But just ignore the Mays part. Just listen to Nate. Nate's the smart one of the group. Someone I recommend. Um, but absolutely, Nate, it's a pleasure. We'll have you back on later on during the season, I'm sure. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. 
All right. Thanks so much again to my guest, Nate Tice. Check him out on Twitter. Excellent follow. Someone breaking down the game every single week. I learned something from Nate. And fine, listen to his podcast as well with Robert Mace. It's pretty good. I'm not going to say too many nice things about it, but you get the idea. Um, we're going to be back next week. More football on the way. We'll be at the quarter point of the season after next week, strangely enough. So hope you guys are enjoying the show. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And more audio coming next week.